welcome to the 1% Podcast. My name is Avi Wiswer, social media influencer and motivational speaker. Every week you hear an inspiring message. We hear from a person that is on their journey to success. With each episode, I hope that you can take something valuable with you, become 1% better in your life. Thank you for stopping by and let the growth begin. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 1% Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for showing support and thank you guys for showing love on every single episode. I have a guest with me today. His name is Lee McConnell. He's a trainer. Lee, I'll give you the floor if you want to introduce yourself, say what you do. The floor is yours. How y'all doing? Uh, my name is Lee McConnell. I'm a boxing instructor, fitness instructor out of New York City. Uh, I work at Hit the Deck currently. Um, I have a LLC. It's called LMC Fitness. Um, we've been up and running for about two years now, but I've actually been a trainer for, I want to say, nine years exactly where I started taking on clients. I've always been athletic and into the fitness world, but I never was one to say, like, you know what, I'm going to start training people. But uh, small, a little short story, when I was out of high school, I was planning to go to the Navy, but I went to school and then I took the route of corporate America first. And then for me, leaving corporate America, once my daughter was born, she's nine now, you know, and that's when I took control over, you know, the fitness world and just to help people be a better themselves. So what about training? What about the one-on-one? -on -one? What about it is something that you find passion in? Is there something that it's maybe taught you about yourself? Is it something that when you're, because obviously when you're training somebody, they need inspiration. They need that motivation. Mm -hmm. What is it about the one-on-one -on -one that you really do enjoy? Well, I'll be honest and say I've always been a helper. You know what I'm saying? And it really makes me feel good to see the security of someone, you know, like, we all walk around on a day-to-day -day basis with insecurities. Rather, it's on the outward or rather it's inside, you know. I took it upon myself really and noticed that in my line of work, which is fitness, I was able to uplift, you know, the actual client of mine in whichever way. You know, you could have some people who have like 7% body fat where you'll look at them and be like, dang, like, I want to look like that. But yet inside, they're broken. You know what I'm saying? Feeling less than, feeling not capable. You know, so that's one major thing that I I liked about being a fitness trainer, boxing coach, whatever you want to, you know, label it as, you know. Um, so that 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 really gave me that courage to just keep, keep on going with that and not to go back into, like, corporate America world. Mm-hmm. You want to elaborate a little bit on corporate America world in, in terms of like, obviously we, we hear now the nine to five mm -hmm. um, and as somebody, I guess this might be more of a personal question as somebody that, you know, hears about the nine to five and what that is like, how did you know that that was not for you? Was there just something that clicked into your brain that's like, you know what, I'm trying to be my own boss or was it a sense of, I just don't feel wanted here. I don't feel needed here. This is just not my path. Nah, it wasn't really that. Actually, what happened was I was um, in corporate America and I dealt with a, a legal situation, to be honest with you. And um, in dealing with the legal situation, it pushed me into, like, I always was a fighter. You know what I'm saying? From fighting in the streets to, you know, even you know, just my daily push, you know, like I always had that goal, like no wall can stop me, you know, um, even as a kid, my mom used to always just say to me, like, I don't worry about you because you're going to make it, you know, I, you know, like my brothers and sisters, you know, she comforted them, you know, like for me, I was just that one where she knew I, I'm going to go after what I want. I'm not going to fail, you know. So I say all that to say, you know, when I was in corporate America, the nine to five, it's not that I would say it's a bad thing, but, you know, I always dreamed of living my own life. You know what I'm saying? And it really all kind of just played its part, you know, because as a full-time dad, you know, full-time husband and all of that stuff, 
you know, it was kind of hard, even as I look back at it, to, for me to maintain that those jobs, as I would call it, you know what I'm saying, of being a dad, being a husband, being able to take care of my family, being a part, because it's a lot of people who we could sit here and say, like, yeah, I'm a dad, but what does a dad consist of? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not just putting money on the table. You know what I'm saying? It's actually being there. You know what I'm saying? Like, my daughter looks at me, and, and her looking at me, I'm the first man she loves. You know, so ha I say all that to say, having a nine to five, I wouldn't be able to lock into my daughter's life and be a part of her life as much as I am. You know, so when it all starts to fall in place or whatever from the legal situation, you know, um, to me having to make a decision at that point of, you know, what was next, you know, but yet I got this little baby girl in front of me, you know what I'm saying? And in me having that, I had to, once again, go through that fight, you know, and I had to fight to make that next move, which was, you know, when I barked the pine becoming a trainer. Hmm. There's there's two ways where I want to go with this. Um, I'm gonna save I'm gonna save one question for after. Um, I want to know where you you talked about your mom always told you that you're gonna be good, you know, and um, that you're gonna make it. Was that something that was? Did you have that just aura, that confidence in yourself to just be like, you know? I might be going through life where certain things are happening in my life and that was just given to you? Or was that something that you just take, that you just took, that it wasn't like passed on to you? Or was it just something that you just said, you know what, life's going to happen, but I'm going to make the best of it? Um, I kind of want to say like, it was just like, I was raised by my grandfather, you know, and my grandfather was a, a hardworking man. Like he... You know, just a small story. He kind of dropped out of high school to help provide for his siblings, you know, which he kind of had that discipline given to us, you know, as kids. So I kind of watched. I always was a watcher, you know, and in me being a watcher, it got to the point where, you know, I looked at him. I looked around my family. I'm like, there's no way I could fail. I was determined not to fail, you know. And then to take it another step further, you know, as I went through school, my dad became a crackhead, you know. And from him becoming a crackhead, he, well, I should say a drug addict, I'm sorry. You know, um, he actually kind of tried to tear me down as an individual, you know, in coming up through school because he was like, the supplier was my friends, you know? So from the supplier being my friends, you know, of course he kicked my back in as a, as his son. So fast forward from there, you know, when I went through those times with my dad and as much as it hurt me, you know, I still had a determination like, this can't break me, mm -hmm. this can't break me, you know? So I wanna say like, to your, to answer your question really like, I think it was just a matter of, like, my grandfather instilling that strength in me. Like, yo, you a man, nothing can break you, you know. Because, of course, as back then, you know, I want to say, like, 40-something years ago, you know what I'm saying? Like, my grandfather really, like, instilled in us, like, men don't cry, you know, men don't do nothing. Like, you fight, you, you keep going, you know, you push through, you know. And that's really where I could say it came from. Mm. All right, so where I wanted to go with this is obviously in society today, um, the the man's emotions are, are not really uh, validated or accepted. And um, after, you know, hearing what you just said, was there, was there a certain part of you growing up that had to neglect that side of yourself um, in order to, I guess, be the man? Um, and, and be the strong person in your family and be the leader and kind of take off that weight. I kind of really want to know how did that, how did that make you feel in, in terms of growing up? 
Um, a hundred percent. It was, you know, um, something that, you know, you had to just take on. Um, but it, how it made me feel as an individual, you know, it was really like kind of to the point where I was like a two-sided person, you know, where I had to basically bury my emotions, you know, and be strong. You know, like, that's really what I had to do. You know, it it was like, I'm not saying I never cried, you know, but I will say, like, it got to the point where it was like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I got to keep it going. I got to keep it going, you know. Hmm. Was there, because obviously, um, for me, for me at least, um, I would say, I wouldn't say that I was the, the opposite, but more or less um, at a younger age, myself i had to be able to take on a more emotional load i had to be able to take care of my mom's emotions i had to be able to be the that mediator yeah um growing up that she couldn't confide in you know um and obviously that obviously has its drawbacks but you you learn a lot more about yourself during that um and i've heard obviously the other spectrum where i can't do that that's just something i can't do well i'll be honest with you even now as me being 42, you know what I'm saying? To tap into that side is is very hard now. You know, like I do it, especially, you know, off the strength of my daughter, you know, um, and my lady, you know. It's crazy because how, how the world kind of pans out to where and things come to you because like both my lady and my daughter are two emotional women, you know what I'm saying? And I could say something to my daughter and to me, I'm just like, just talking, you know? And for her, it's almost like, dad, why are you talking like that? Mm. And even to my lady, the same thing, you know, like, babe, why are you talking like that, you know? So I wish I was able to kind of tap into some of that emotional side of me to be able to learn better ways to deal with women, yeah. you know? in today's society yeah you know what i'm saying it's definitely both sides of the spectrum where obviously yeah. it's a drawback um it's something that you know people most people are like oh you know they're in tune with their emotions they're in tune with what they're feeling but it's also a drawback because i've noticed that especially in today's society that it's more or less neglected and you're seen as more of a soft person and that might not even be the case yeah um you know you have the whole what a man should look like what a woman should look like and I, I think the misconception within that is that most people don't understand that, yes, we are naturally have testosterone, but we also have estrogen. We also have that other side of ourselves that we feel. We have feelings. We're not robots, right. you know, right. and um, we're not operating out of a sense of just 100% manly all the time and not being able to tap into that side of ourselves and I feel like sometimes events that happen in our life traumatic experiences happen in our life that makes us shut down that part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. and it's I've noticed from people that I've talked to that it's like a door that just can't be opened again because it was so traumatic to the to the fact that now they have to live in a shell well I think they do that because I mean at the end of the day I mean just like we sitting here talking yeah you know how many people can you count on your hand that you really could sit down and have a real serious emotional conversation with? Like that, besides a female that mm -hmm. can understand you, where you feel comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. it's not many, yeah. you know, like, because you don't know, the thing about it is how society has built us as men, you know, it's almost looked upon as you're soft, you're gay, you know what I'm saying? And that's, I dealt with that a lot you know, from my own dad, yeah. you know, because when my mom and my dad separated, I chose to go with my mom. Oh, you're going to be soft. Oh, you're going to be gay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. You know what I'm saying? But let a fight happen. Who you calling? You calling me. You know what I'm saying? So I say all that to say, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just like we really don't have a lot of men in this world that really can sit down and just be like, you know what, I'm my brother's keeper, regardless. You know what I'm saying? And really could sit there and be like, yo, dog, I love you for real. You know what I'm saying? 
and we we thrive on that. Even with my sons, you know, I don't tell my sons I love them. You know, but why? <laughs> because it, I I don't even want to say it's looked upon the wrong way. You know, but they look at me like you know like that's dad. He's you know he's strong. Mm. You know, but and at the end of the day, it's a certain way that I I've carried myself in front of them. You know, and now twenty six years old. 20, 21 year old, you know, they're looking at me. I go to try to be, yo, man, I love you, you know, even down to my daughter. As I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm thinking about it, you know. I don't tell my daughter all the time I love her. I don't tell my wife all the time I love her, you know, because I feel like I showed it in different ways. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still something that's needed. Yeah. You know, it's needed. As a. Uh... It's, it's ironically funny that you say that because growing up, I didn't really have, um, I talked about this a lot and I'll be open with you and, and vulnerable, but I've never really had a father figure in my life. So hearing that and kind of putting myself in that position, um, I guess a part of myself wishes that I would have been heard that I've heard that more. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I love you. I appreciate you. Um, what you're doing is special. You don't even know you're making me proud in, in, in so many in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and I think people, I guess for myself and I, a couple other people that I know that didn't really have those father figures in their life, they they started to resent, or they started to be angry, or they started to to mistreat women, or they started to just be this version of themselves because of that one experience instead of just accepting that it happened and kind of moving on with the process and just being like, you know what? I didn't have a father figure in my life and that's okay because I may want to be a father one day. Um, personally, I do want to be a father someday. Mm -hmm. And I know that at least from my experience, I've had to, I've had to find leaders or father figures in other people that were not myself or that were not him. You know, that people of age of people of wisdom, that I could go to and I could be able to have sit down and have a conversation with just about what does it look like to be a man? How do we, how do we become a man? What is masculine look like? How do we become a leader? Mm -hmm. Um, and sitting down here, I, I appreciate the, you know, the, the vulnerability, the kind of getting down to, to certain things in, in a personal aspect. Um, but I want to know what has being a father, what has that been for you? What has it, has it changed anything about you? 100%. It changed my life totally. What, what about it? Because uh, I hear all the time about how I being mean, a father changes you. I was one, a selfish individual. You know what I'm saying? I didn't care because of just like you tapped in and said, you know, you're hurt, your frustrations in life, things you dream of, things you want, you know. And all that. And I was one of them who I always wanted my dad, you know. And just like you said, I found my dad in other places, you know. My godfather came into my life at the age of 21, you know. I had born and raised in church. Um, my grandmother and grandfather, they picked up and moved to West Virginia, you know. And I, I bring this, this story full circle real quick. Um, so from that being the case, I lived my life till I was about, well, I mean, I've been living my life, but I chose to make a decision at about 18, 19 to go back into church. And from me making that decision, I was a member of the Love Fellowship Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York, um, and where I met my godfather. From me meeting him is where I learned a lot. Um, seen a lot about fatherhood, you know, seen a family, something that I always desired. You know, as a kid, I used to flock to other people's family, you know, because it was so mom was there, but mom was working just trying to put a meal on the table. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the times we would be home. Mom was at work or mom's in school. You know, and trying to make the best out of life, I more so went and saw family other places. Not to say everything I learned was good. So I had to make a judgment call of what was good and what was bad. But as a kid, you can't tell what's good and what's bad because everything felt good. 
You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So from everything feeling good, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, from what your house look like compared to somebody else's house, somebody else's house is going to look better than yours. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I say all that to say, I met my godfather when I was 21. He was 33 because he's 12 years older than me. He had a son that's 12 years younger than me. So I was 21. He was about 11 at the time, or maybe 10. So him and my pastor at the time really showed me what a man was. Not to say everything they did I agreed with. But one thing I could say is the outpour and the push and the drive of them just being a man every single day, support, you know, just being there, just to be like, you know what, good job, was great, you know. So that's where the change was. And me and my pastor, we wasn't very connected, you know like that to where I was hanging out with him all the time. You know, I was more so working with my godfather, you know, and um, it just got to the point where he he needed me. You know what I'm saying? So it got past the godfather thing to me saying, this is my dad, you know, because just to be able to feel wanted by someone, you know what I'm saying? And it be genuine. It was like, it, it was good for me. It was good for me. So those, I was able to kind of walk the walk with him. And, you know, I'm, I wasn't able to talk his talk, but I was able to walk his walk, mm -hmm. you know, and see, you know, how he move, you know, taking care of a million things at one time, you know, and dad's getting it done, you know, and really that's where you know as far as fatherhood is concerned it it, it like changed me a hundred percent interesting hmm. well that just makes me want to be a father even more just <laughs> <laughs> um i mean it's good you know it, it really i can say i mean i could tell you good good things and bad things about it you know you get to be basically like overprotective you know too overbearing sometimes, you know, and even me now, you know, I have to check myself, you know, because your kids are only a product of you mm -hmm. and whomever you create this, you know, this, this living being with, you know, and um, from that, it's like, you know, sometimes I'll get on my daughter's case and I mean, it hurts me as a, as a dad. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it hurts, but it, it's, it's still a learning lesson, mm -hmm. you know, because some things I know, like I may lash out on her and it's scars and stuff from me being a kid, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like that wound gets opened and where I thought I was healed it gets me to that point where I gotta tap into that place where it's like, and that's why I've been saying lately, I want the uncomfortable to be comfortable for me in life. Yeah. Because if I can make the uncomfortable comfortable, everything else don't matter. Mm. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. You know, so it, that, that, that's serious for me. Mm. I guess just hearing um, that, that first thing, and then I, I do want to touch on that in un uncomfortableness. Um, you often hear a lot, or at least I read a lot of books that says, you know, you're not fully, you'll never be fully healed because when people think that they're fully healed, there's still parts of themselves that aren't. They just don't see it. They have to be mirrored in a certain relationship, a certain person that they meet, maybe fatherhood, maybe being a parent, maybe going to a certain event, maybe in a certain career mm. where that is being able to be mirrored the versions of themselves that they thought were healed. And at least personally, that's what I've noticed um, that, and it sounds like you have too, in 
certain relationships and certain friendships and certain people that I meet, there's a reflection there. I'm looking obviously not directly at the the traits of myself that I thought were healed, but I'm looking at a version of maybe myself that I may have neglected or a version of myself that I thought I moved past from. And I think that we meet those people for a reason. We have to maybe see it again. You know, we have to see that certain reflection again. We have to see ourselves, I guess, for a lack of a better term, we have to see ourselves in that certain outfit one more time. Right. If it still fits. Mm-hmm. And I think that by meeting those people or by being involved in certain things, whether it's the, the fatherhood, the relationship or the friendship, it's needed for our growth. So sometimes when we see ourselves, like you said, you thought there were certain parts of yourself that were healed and you had to see that version of yourself to say, you know what, maybe I'm not. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't truly believe that we'll ever be fully healed because there's always something that may trigger us. There's always something that may, oh, I I remember this a couple of years ago or whatever it may be. I'm going to be honest with you. That part I disagree with you on. Why? Really because I feel like on a spiritual aspect of it, healing comes through you giving it for me, I'm going to say. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to knock anybody's belief or anything like that. But for me, healing comes through us really believing that God can and God will. You know? And through that, I can't live in the world to say I believe in God and this God got the world in his hand and all of that kind of stuff. And God can do everything exceedingly and above all we could ask on this earth, right? Mm-hmm. But I can't believe that he can heal me totally. Now, I do believe that God put us in position where are you going to surrender all to me or are you just going to surrender some to me? Mm. You know? And also, I believe God has it where you have God and you got the devil. Right? The devil got to come ask God for permission to bother you. In God saying, go ahead, right? God always going to have his hand on you. But he just want to show the enemy that's out there that that's my child. You can't touch him, him or her, okay? So that's why I really believe different when it comes to healing or whatever it comes down to God's doing because for him there's no half doing or I'm going to do a little bit. I'm either going to do it all or I'm not going to do it at at all. Mm. You know? So I, I really believe like sometimes we put our healing in man and in putting healing in man or women, you know what I'm saying? It's something really, the arm of flesh, flesh will fail you every single time. Every single time. I don't care who it is. You get what I'm saying? And it's because you're human. Yeah. It comes down to a point where you got to really surrender and submit that to God. Whatever the hurt is. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been through some stuff. And I'm not going to say... I'm 100% healed, but as I look over my life, I could really sit there and say, when I gave it to him, I was good. But when I try to do it, and I try to take myself through it, that's where the difference is. Why do you think surrender? Why do you think the surrender is so hard? It's just surrendering. You sur- because I'm going to be real with you. Everybody has a problem with serving something you don't know. The unknown. Everybody has a problem with that. 
being comfortable in the uncomfortable. How can you sit here and just sit there and say, like, you know what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to go to church and all of that kind of stuff. It's so much stuff I learned from church. It's so much stuff I've seen in church. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, one thing I can say is that I've seen so much till I know God is real. Mm. So I know God's a healer. I know that. You know what I'm saying? I've seen people heal from AIDS. I've seen people walk off canes and start running around church. Like stuff you see on TV. Mm -hmm. I've seen it in per Like I've been in church with it. Some unbelievable things that, you know, I really don't anymore kind of tap into that that side of life, you know, because I'm be real with you. Do I go to church now? I don't, you know, and it's something that it's, I'm not saying that I don't want to do it. But I mean, I work seven days a week now and not to make an excuse, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? At the end of the day, God's still the forefront of everything I do. You know what I'm saying? Before mm -hmm. I make any kind of moves, I'm on my knees praying. You know what I'm saying? Do I read my Bible every day like I should? Absolutely not. But it's something that I want to get better at. Mm -hmm. You know? So, you know, I, I'm not discrediting your belief or yeah. even that statement. But mm -hmm. I will, you know, sit down and say to you, like, I feel personally like you surrender it, it can happen. Do you think... Hmm. This this poses a deeper uh, a deeper thought just because I've been on the fence of uh, religion because mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm in that uncomfortable stage where do I believe something is out there do I believe that there's a greater creator being absolutely mm -hmm. um, I just don't know what that is um, and it's not like I haven't studied the other religions I've studied you know Christianity. Um, I've studied Buddhism, I've studied Hinduism, I've studied uh, Stoicism, I've studied all of these, um, all these things, even though I would consider Stoicism as like a more, more or less a mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, I don't know, I'm in that uncertainty, that unknown mm -hmm. phase, um, but I do believe that life, universe, God, whatever, there's certain things that have to happen. There's certain things that need to happen, and I think that the the thing that I struggle with is is like you said, surrender, um, accepting mm -hmm. certain things, accepting certain situations, accepting certain people for as they are, and not trying to alter, change, or make them into a different version um, of themselves, or just situations or events, um, and and that's something that I struggle with. Um, surrendering to that fact because i'm a i'm such a person of control i like to be in control mm -hmm. um but sometimes that's just not the case sometimes you just have to let it go and accept the things as they are and accept certain people as they are and accept things as they come and and as they go um so for i guess any advice to to me or to anybody that's listening that may be also in that i'm i'm in faith i'm not in faith i don't i don't really know what, what, what would you say to somebody like that? Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I can only lead you to pray. That's it. I mean, regardless to who you pray to, you know, and whatever your faith may be, you know, um, because that's a hard place to be in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a very hard place to be in. And ask God to give you, you know, discernment through your process, you know, um, because it's, or I, I, I'm saying God, you know, <laughs> but I, I, that's because that's my belief, yeah. you know, um, as far as just that person that's out there struggling, you know, whomever it is you pray to or whatever belief you your your being is at that point you know whenever you have that sacred time you know i believe that's when it's a time for you to tap in you know even your surroundings of who you surround yourself by yeah you know because if you're in an uncertain place and you're surrounding yourself by the wrong people like i mean i have friends from 
Islam to Christians, you know, to Buddhism, you know, to all of that, you know. But I just believe what I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, do I knock everybody? No, I don't. You know, I got friends who will come greet me and say, Salam alaikum, you know, you know, and I'll greet them back while alaikum salam, you know. But at the end of the day, that just doesn't change my faith. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I believe everybody need to increase their faith in this day, you know, to whichever belief it is, mm. you know? Yeah. And, I mean, you just really need a circle, a strong circle at those places that can uplift you, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And it's sad to say, but majority of the time when we're there, we are the uplifter, <laughs> you know? And that's what makes it hard. You tapped a little bit on the um, uncomfortable side. Uh, being uncomfortable, you started to be accepting of the uncomfortableness, the um, certain feelings. Obviously, you did this podcast because, you know, you felt it was a little bit out, out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's important to, to step outside? Um, besides, obviously, the whole generic, you'll never really know who you are. Um, why do you truly feel that the uncomfortable stage that the decision to putting yourself in a certain place, why do you feel like that is important? for people and grow um at this time you know i'm just really opening up my doors you know what i'm saying to really reach out and connect with a lot like that's that's really what i'm to the point of doing you know um if it wasn't for this podcast i mean me and you wouldn't have never had this conversation absolutely i wouldn't have never came across you you probably wouldn't have never came across me you know and um regardless of if you want to train or not. You know what I'm saying? Who would who would have ever thought, like, you would pull up LMC Boxing to, you know, come and tap in with me? You know what I'm saying? Who would have thought I would be in Brooklyn, you know, coming to have a podcast? Yeah. You know? And it's just my door's been closed so much, you know, where I don't want to let nobody in. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And it's a defense mechanism. You don't want to be hurt. You know, you don't want to bring nobody new around, you know. So at that point, you just get to the place where it's like making a solid decision. And when I make these decisions, I'm just very, like, to the point where I'm just watching. I'm watching, you know, and not so eager to just be like, oh, yeah, we had a real deep conversation. That's my boy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's my boy. Let me be cool with him. Yeah. Leave here. Yo, man, thanks for the podcast. Yo, if you want to go grab some lunch next week, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Real talk, you know. I don't know you, you don't know me. Yeah. But that's what we tend to do as individuals. We drop our guards, you know. And it's like I'm looking for that that comfort. We cool now, so we, we're comfortable now. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't this comfortable with you when I first came in here. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even feel like I was going to be able to have this much to say to you. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, just the dynamic in the room, you know, the whole atmosphere shifted. And, you know, I'm at peace and I can, you know, almost feel like you're at peace as well. 100%. Absolutely. Um, and I I got asked the other day, well, what what is the experience of the podcast? Like, why do you love it so much? And I think this right here. We've obviously texted, you know, through Instagram and had conversations, but like, I think it's the way that I would describe the experience is that a podcast forces you to drop everything, mm -hmm. regardless of the notoriety, regardless of what your social status may be, how much money you have, you have to drop that ego. Right. And you have to be vulnerable. You have to have, because you can have a podcast, right? And I'm, I don't really resonate with the the very um, society-filled podcast, the very surface-level podcast. Like, to me, I want to be able to get to know somebody deeper than maybe they know themselves deeper than they may think mm -hmm. or to just share an experience, like an, a vulnerable experience, two men just sharing an experience or sharing life or sharing thoughts, ideas. Right. And I think that's what makes not even just the podcast, but just life. If you're able to connect with people like this, that's a life worth fulfilling. 
if we're sto- if we're stuck in our sh- uh, shells and we don't want to seek other people, and I-, I noticed that you know people, especially in society nowadays, are no, I don't want to collaborate. I'm gonna do this on my own, and you know, fuck everybody else, and and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But it's like you need people. We need community. You can't live if you were in the wilderness. You can't live alone. You have to be surrounded by other people because. The mind will play at you. The, the like you said, the devil will get will get at you. Mm-hmm. Having these negative thoughts, well, oh, I'm lonely. I have nobody to talk to, or I'm depressed, or this or that. We need community. We need collaboration because as a society, society as a civilization, that is how we grow. That is how we advance. We don't advance with just being to ourselves. We advance by stepping out of that shell, stepping out of that comfort zone, and oh, let me listen to what they have to say. Or let me let me be in this involved in this experience with that person, yeah. um, and I'm I'm happy that um, you've been willing to accept uh, you know a collaboration because, like I said, I got to know more about you. You got to know more about me. But it, it's it's more of a human experience. It's more of a um, spiritual experience, um, and I think that more people should step out of that comfort zone, drop the ego, and yeah. drop that shell of yourself to be able to just have that one-on-one, you know, the same way that when you're, when you're training somebody one-on-one, you're, you're seeing something deeper within themselves. that Maybe they don't even see. Right. Right. Um, it, it's a certain experience like that, that lets you know, you know, we can, we could do this together, but I'm going to still push you and I'm going to still appreciate you, motivate you in, in a, in a certain way that maybe you don't even see in yourself. Um, well, I want to go with this next question is I want to know what has, I hear a lot, the art of fighting, um, boxing, you know, being referenced to life. You know, it's a 12 round fight and you may be losing the fifth or sixth rounds and you have six rounds to maybe catch back up. What has boxing taught you about life? Um, well, it kind of taught me. It taught me one discipline. That's one. Um, two. It taught me how to never give up. You know, in spite of it all, kind of like what you just tapped into of like you got a twelve round fight. You could lose nine rounds and get in the tenth round and get one good punch and win the whole thing. So, if I'm a get knocked down three and four and five times. If I could get back up, why not keep going? You know, it's it's no point to just lay there. You know, even in laying there, you get knocked down, you still get a 10-second count. You know, in that 10-second count, you could push through it, you know, and you could get what you need out of that 10 seconds if you learn how to recover good you know but if you continue to just let the weight of the world take control of you you know and let the world control you you know it'll be it's gonna be hard for you to bounce back you know so really in boxing it 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 kind of taught me like i said discipline and kind of taught me to push more so in a positive way, more so than a negative way. What do you feel like you do different as a as a trainer than maybe other trainers? I tap into my clients. You know what I'm saying? I, I watch a lot. And by me watching, you know, more so, I try to get my own understanding of a lot. You know, meaning like, I'm an individual where, like I, like I explained to you before, I sit back and I learn a person. I mean, I'm not saying I'm 100% accurate all the time, but, you know, I'm more so one of them where I'm very little in asking questions, you know, to sit there and say, like, yo, you like this, you like that, you do this, you do that. No, I just pull it together on my own, you know, and I think that's what, it's a gift and a curse. I think that's what makes it somewhat easy for me you know but 
on the other side of it, it makes it hard because I almost feel like I expect people to do the same for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, which is not everybody's thing. You know, everybody's not to figure out, you know, which I am. You know, and it's because, I mean, of course this podcast won't make it seem like I don't like to talk, but, you know, if I don't have to, I won't type thing. So, like, me as a trainer, you know, I take real deep pride in the stuff that I do, you know, and the inner inner being of a person, you know, it's not just all outside and, oh, let me make you throw a 15-punch combo with some defense in it and, you know, all this kind of stuff make you look good on Instagram, you know, no. I want you to look good and feel good, you know, and that makes a bigger difference in a, in a whole lot. Yeah. I see a lot of, um, I guess the, the reason why um, I think boxing is, is so important um, is because I think in that, in that experience, you learn a little bit about yourself. And I think that, by you tapping into your clients, I think that, you know, actually wanted to get it. It sounds like you want to get to know a general of who they are as people um, and be involved in their life. I think you that you have to you have to learn, because if you don't learn who they are just as a person in general, like. Being a trainer, you get so frustrated. What is what is something that. Has teaching other people has training other people taught you things maybe about yourself? Um, maybe yeah, patience? Yeah, or 100% patience. <laughs> 100% patience, it teaches you. And it always gets you to that point or keep me in a place, I should say, of it's not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Because us as trainers, we're... Well, I should say me as a trainer, your therapist, sometimes your comforter, sometimes you a boyfriend and don't even know it, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes, you know, you're, you're just a quote unquote companion to somebody and you don't even realize it, you know what I'm saying? And it could be just that. You know, and you're not physically, like, going on to someone like that. But it just could be that touch that just makes them, oh, my God, feel better. You know, oh, he touched me on my shoulder and just said, you know what? You're doing great. And that could make someone's day. So by that being, like, resonating in my mind all the time, you know, that's what helps me on a, you know, being a trainer sometimes the things that we never really know what somebody's going through they could just be showing up to your workout and be completely in shambles and we don't even know um and i think that's why being kind or appreciative or just showing love to other people we never know what's going on behind closed doors and like you said the that version of them in that moment may need that you know they may need that touch on their shoulder they may need that words of encouragement yeah. and i guess it kind of comes back full circle with the the first topic that we talked about um and being needed to tell that to our maybe inner child um to that version of ourselves when we were younger that we needed to just hear you know what you're doing good you know you're doing great i'm proud of you yeah. um and i think we all have a version of ourselves that needs to be heard and needs to be seen and needs to be appreciated and you know validated in in any point of our life um regardless of age regardless of who we are or what we went through or any external things that we have that's really what we need yeah. last question i want to be able to ask you is what is something that you want to become one percent better with this year one percent better yeah that's the the one the percent podcast we're always looking to grow what's <laughs> what's something that you want to be able to Growing 1% better? Um, myself, number one. 
Mm. You know, um, I want to grow into be a better me. Because the more I can grow into be a better me, the more I can help other people be a better them. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's strong for me right now. You know, just being more so comfortable with myself. I was just explaining to one of the trainers today, you, you can't allow people to tear you down and your knowledge down. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody will as much as you allow them. You know, and it could be something as simple as, you know, like even, you know, today I was walking out of work and, you know, she was kind of going through it. And, you know, from her going through it, I just was like, listen, you got to know who you are deeper, you know. And once you could tap into who you are deeper, you know, everything everybody else got to say don't matter. And that's really what I, what I, what I live by on a day-to-day -day basis, you know. What you got to say, what you got to say, what anybody got to say don't matter to me. And it's not it's not even a thing of, oh, well, you don't put no money in my pocket. You don't do this. You don't do that. No, it ain't that. It ain't about that. It's about your heart, man. It's about your heart and your emotions and your feelings, you know. And by that being the case, if you can't, you know, basically secure them, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. But if anything, 1% of me got to be me. Well, this was a phenomenal episode. Um, I appreciate you being vulnerable. I appreciate you uh, potentially maybe giving me a side of yourself that you may not have shown um, recently or in a while. Um, and I, I appreciate that because I appreciate authenticity. I appreciate the, the vulnerability mm -hmm. um, as I do believe that we have to be more vulnerable in certain situations. Um, not all the time, but when the time is right. Um, this was a phenomenal podcast. Um, thank you for coming out. Thank you for being here. Where can the people find you on social media? LMC Boxing. <laughs> I know I'm on LMC Boxing. And I think TikTok might be the same thing. I think. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't, <laughs> I'm not. <a> show. <laughs> I know this is like it's mad embarrassing every time somebody asks me this. Um, I don't really run my social media. Okay. Um, my manager Nick does, but I know for sure. Um, on IG, I'm on L it's LMC Boxing. I do know that TikTok. Um, I'm not that sure about. But, okay. Um, Shout out Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite sure if you. If you tap into LMC Boxing on the IG, I'm quite sure it's connected yeah. to the TikTok. I think I think it'll be there. Or something like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm, but, yeah, it's there. Well, I want to appreciate you coming out. I appreciate you, um, once again, coming out, taking some time out your day to just have a conversation with me. To everybody listening, um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for showing support. Thank you guys for showing love on every single episode. This is the 1% Podcast. I'm out.